הרב בנימין תבורי, המשפחה היהודית בהלכה, the Jewish family in הלכה. הרב תבורי. This year begins a סדרה, a series of שיעורים about the משפחה היהודית בהלכה. הלכות relating to the Jewish family. Theoretically, the first mitzvah of a family is the obligation of a father to give his son a brit milah and, of course, obligations of parents to children. However, we will begin with the order of an adult, a person of maturity, and his obligations or her obligations and the concerns about family. The Shi'urim today and in the future will deal with all aspects of family life, including obligations of husbands to wives, of wives to husbands, of parents to children, of children to parents, all kinds of family-related halachos. Now, in, the, in essence, we are beginning with the concept, concept of man as he was created, Adam and Chava, when they were first created, and the obligations or the responsibilities of family life that ensue thereafter. Firstly, I'd like to point out today that the Halakha accepts and recognizes the concept of a family, but a family can be a rather large contingent of people, or it sometimes could be a more nuclear type of family, a smaller group of family. I'd like to discuss various halachot, or some mitzvot, that can only be done within a family context, which are indeed concepts of a family, and show how some of these halachot are more generally inclusive, and some are much more limiting. The first halacha that I'd like to quote is the halacha of Hilchot Tzedakah. In general, of course, there's a mitzvah to give Tzedakah. And in general, we say that anyone who asks for money, you should give him money, as much as you can afford. Of course, there is a certain pecking order of the importance of giving Tzedakah to whom you should give first. The Rambam says in Hilchos Matnos Anim, the laws that refer to Tzedakah are incidentally found in Sefer Zra'im, the Sefer which deals with agricultural laws, because fundamentally the laws of Leket Shikhopeya, the laws of leaving produce in the field, are the concept of Tzedakah, and therefore the Rambam included in that section the general laws of Matnos Anim of Tzedakah. And the Rambam says in Perek Zayin, may a relative precedes any other person. The poor people of your house, your, the residents of your home, not necessarily relatives, they precede the, the poverty-stricken people of the city, etc., etc., but the Rambam here said, Anishu Krovo, a relative. And this, of course, is learned in the Pasuk, Kifatoach Tiftach Diatcha La'aniyecha. 
you should open your hand, give charity to your poor people. Who are your poor people? Your poor people in, includes the concept of your family members. Of course, the halacha here does not exactly delineate who are family members. For the purpose of tzedakah, the family members could be rather all-inclusive or could be limited to a certain group of family members. However, we find the beautiful Rambam in the next parak. In Perak Yud, I'm sorry. In Perak Yud of Hilchas Matnas Aniyim, the Rambam waxes eloquent about the obligation of giving tzedakah. And the Rambam says you should be careful to give tzedakah more than other mitzvah. And he says tzedakah is a sign of the lineage of Avraham Avinu. Uh, Avraham Avinu is known to be the Amudah Chesed, the person who personifies the concept of Chesed, of loving kindness. And we as children of Avraham Avinu should follow his path and show our Gimilat Chesed, our loving kindness, by giving charity. But the Rabban then says an interesting phrase. To whom should you give tzedakah? So we said you should give to relatives. But the Rambam says, Kol Yisrael aleihem ki All the Jews, the entire nation of Israel is like brothers. Because we're children of God. What makes a brother a brother? The fact that they have a similar parent. They have the same parent. People with the same parent or parents are brothers. Since we're banim to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, since we're sons of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, therefore we're all related as brothers. And then the Rambam, in a phrase that marks the life of the Rambam, the history of the Jews, the Rambam says, If one brother would not have compassion for his brother, who will have compassion for him? To whom can the poor people look to? Can we look for the non-Jews who despise us, who actually are after us? We look for our brothers. So for the concept of tzedakah, obviously the family members precede others. Supposedly there are levels within the family itself, but that is not stated clearly in the Rambam. But in a general sense, all B'nai Yisrael are related. We're all one big mishpacha. We're one concept of achva. One concept of brotherhood. On the other hand, the halacha that's much more defined by specific relatives is the halacha involving avelut. The halacha involving mourning. Now, we could talk about the halacha of general mourning, but to be more specific, we could relate to the halacha in the beginning of Parashat Emor. The Torah says that a Kohen is not allowed to defile himself, to become Tamei to a dead person. However, there are exceptions. Whether there are six or seven exceptions is a controversy between the Rambam and other Rishonim. The Pasuk says 
You can only become defiled to the word she'er will leave undefined right now, who is close to him. And then the, the Torah lists six relatives. To your father, to your livno levito, to your father, mother, brother, sister, son, daughter. Not in that order. But those are the six relatives. According to the Rambam, there are only six relatives to whom a Kohen is allowed or perhaps required to become Tameh. Father, mother, brother, sister, son, daughter. A wife, according to the Rambam, is not included in this concept. The Rambam says in Hilchas Avel, in the very end of Mishnah Torah, just before the last, the penultimate section of Mishnah Torah, the Rambam says that a Kohen is allowed, of course, to be metame to his wife, but the Rambam says in Perek Beis, Halacha Zayin, Ishtosha Kohen metamela al kachol, a Kohen does become Tameh to his wife, even if he does not wish to do so, but this is only Midivrei Sofim. Now, although the phrase Midivrei Sofim in the Rambam is problematic, and people actually have written books to try to determine precisely what the Rambam meant by Divrei Sofim, here it seems that it's certainly Drabanan, a rabbinic law, that a Kohen is allowed or must become Tameh to his wife, Asua Kemes Mitzvah. The Rambam gives the explanation that it's considered like a Mes Mitzvah. As a, me- a Mes Mitzvah is a person who is found dead and no one is there to take care of him. In that case, a Kohen is required to become Tameh to take care of the Mes Mitzvah. The Rambam says every wife is considered as a mes mitzvah, asua. They made her, they considered her as a mes mitzvah. It seems that the Rabbanan considered her a mes mitzvah. Because if there is a husband, the assumption is nobody will take care of her. So therefore, she's like a mes mitzvah who has no one to take care of. And therefore, the husband is required to take care of her. It seems from this Rambam that a wife and a husband are not really related. There are six relatives in the Torah, six basic core relatives in the Torah, and those are the ones that a Kohen is allowed to become Tametu. Midrabanan, we included a wife, but she's not really related. It's just considered a Mes Mitzvah. Other Rishonim disagree, and say, when the Torah said, Kiim l'she'ero, the Torah meant the wife. She'er is the wife. So the Torah said, Kiim l'she'ero karel as number one, and then six more. According to this understanding, one could say that there really are seven relatives, or one could say that even according to this opinion, there really are only six core relatives. However, a Kohen is allowed to be to his wife because of a different concept. Ishto Kegufo, the Kohen and his wife are considered one soul kindred spirit. They're considered as if they're one person. In the Shiurim later on, we'll try to discuss more of the concept of Ishto Kegufo and exactly what that means within the phrase of Halacha. However, for our purposes right now, it could be that a wife is not considered a relative according to anyone. But nevertheless, some Mishonim think that according to biblical law, Kohen is metami to her because of Ishto Kegufa. We have seen, therefore, two opposite halachas 
The halacha of tzedakah, where the Ram just generally said that all relatives precede other members of the Jewish nation, but in a sense, we're all related, we're all brothers. Whereas in the laws of Avelus, the nuclear family is much more clearly defined. There are six relatives and a wife. There are other halachas that relate to family. I will just mention a few of them briefly. One of them, of course, is Yerusha, the laws of inheritance. When the daughters of Tzlavchad applied, uh, uh, applied to Moshe, asking for a share in their father's estate, the laws of Yerusha were given. And there the Torah says fairly clearly who relatives are. The Torah says if a person would pass away without relatives, so the Torah says first, if he has no son, although the Torah does not say clearly that a son inherits, inherits, it's obvious from the uh, context that if he has no son, then we have to worry about what to do. But a father who passes away, his son will inherit or take his place. But if there is no father, if there's no son, excuse me, so Torah says you give the estate to the daughter, and if there's no daughter to the brothers, if there are no brothers, it goes to the uncles, and if there are no uncles, then you give to other relatives. Now, of course the Torah didn't mention fathers here. The Ramban and others explain in Chumash that since his son inherits his father, all the relationships are reciprocal, and therefore parents and, and children, well, if there are no other relatives, a, a parent would inherit a child. So, here in the Torah, the concept of family is certainly defined in a wider sense than it is for the laws of Avelus, and of course, in a sense, narrower than in Staka. Here the Ramam has the concept of uncles and cousins besides brothers and sisters. The Torah says fathers, sons, daughters, uncles, and cousins. In a sense, this halacha is even more inclusive than the laws of Tzedakah. The Gemara says that there is no such thing as a person who has no Yarshim. There is no such thing as a person who has no body, no relative to inherit. Because we'll always trace ancestry. So we'll see, if he has no children, we'll look at his father. And if his father had no brothers, then we'll look at his father and we'll look at his uncles and we'll look for his grandfather and his great-grandfather and we're talking about cousins 25 times removed, fourth cousins 100 times removed. But nevertheless, somebody always has a relative somewhere. The only exception to this rule, the Gemara says, would be that of a Ger Tzedek, a person who converts to Judaism, so since he's considered as a new babe, Katan Shinit Geyer Kikatan Shinolad a person who converts as, a, as, as if he's a newborn child and therefore he has no relatives his past is completely erased and he's starting anew assuming he did not get married and have children he has no relatives whatsoever so therefore he has no relatives but every Jew has a relative here the, the concept of a relative is much more wide reaching than anything we've seen before Everybody is considered a relative somehow, somewhere, if we would trace the ancestry far enough. Of course, one could say this is reminiscent of what the Ramam said. We're, we're all brothers in a certain sense because we have one parent. Here, of course, it's much more 
family oriented, not just theologically oriented. The concept of being brothers in the Rambam and Matna Sanim is because we're children of God, which of course is in a sense a theological concept. Here we're talking about a biological concept that we're all related. Somebody is there to inherit every single person in the world. Two more halachas that I'd like to mention in, in terms of the concept of family. One, of course, is the law of Gulas Hasadeh. A person who sells his estate has the right to re-buy the estate. Gu'ulas hasadeh. The laws are found in the end of Ayikra. And the Torah says that if you, a person sold his field because he was indigent, later on he received some money so he can re-buy his field. The Torah said, but that doesn't mean only him. His relatives are also included in the right of redeeming the Sadeh, of buying the Sadeh back. And who are those relatives? So here the Torah says clearly how far we go. O dodo, o ven dodo yigalenu. Here too the Torah says his uncle and his cousin also have the right of gulat Sadeh. We will not go into the halacha of how far this really extends. We'll stick right now to what it says in the Torah. We see here for the purpose of gulat Sadeh. The family is, is more inclusive than it is for the laws of Avelus, for the laws of mourning. It does not go as far as to say that everybody in the world is related, but nevertheless, dodo, ben dodo yigalano, uncles and cousins are certainly included as well. The last halacha that I'd like to mention in the concept of a family is the halacha of Yibum. The halacha of what we call in English the leveret marriage. One brother passes away without children, who's married and has no children. So his brother then has the obligation either of doing chalitza, that ceremony which releases the wife, the widow, of any other obligation, or he does the mitzvah of Yibum, he marries his brother's wife in order to establish a name for his brother. Now, one may say that this, of course, is in the, somewhat related to a family, but it's only related to brothers. One brother has the law of... An, of Yibam toward his brother. While this is true, one should take into account that before the Matan Torah, before the laws, and apparently the cut before the laws were given, apparently the custom of Yibam was involved in a concept of family, and not necessarily just between brothers. When we see in in the story of Yehuda and Tamar. And who was supposed to do the Yibum? Or, to be more inclusive, if we see the story in Ruth, and we look at Boaz as a, as a certain type of Yavam, although his relationship obviously was not the same as a brother or even a father, nevertheless, we see from here that the concept of Yibum, at least before the Halacha was given, clearly was more inclusive to include more family members. We don't know, or at least... It's hard to tell how far the concept of the family would go in the concept of Yibam. Of course, within the world of Halacha, it only applies to two brothers. So we have seen a number of Halachas that relate to family. Obviously, the Torah recognizes a family as a Halachic concept. And as we pointed out, sometimes it's a wider concept of family and sometimes it's a narrow concept of family. But nevertheless, there are halachas that relate specifically to a family. This, of course, does not mean that it's necessarily a good thing 
or an obligation to have a family. These laws relate to the fact when a person does have a family. Where do we find that the Torah relates to the concept or to the value of a family at all? Well, let's begin with Parshas Bereshis. In the very beginning of creation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said in Perek Beis, Pasuk Yudches, Vayomer Hashem Elokim, Lo tov hayota adam levado, lo ezer kenegdo. It's not good, lo tov, for a person to be alone, I'll make a helpmate for him. Now, it's interesting to note that when the days of creation were noted, the Torah very often, although not every day, but almost every day, the Torah said, Kitov. The Torah said that a Kaddish Baruch Hu looked back at what he did, and saw Kitov, as we find, for example, in Perak Aleph, Pasuk Yud Chet. Vayalukim Kitov, God created day and night, or if we look in uh, Thursday, uh, it says, Vayalukim Kitov, and on Friday, it says, when the animals were created, Vayalukim Kitov. But when man was created, it just says that man was created and HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him a bracha. But it doesn't say about the creation of man, Kitov. It does say a summation, kol asher asa. when HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a summation of everything he had created, it said, Vitov tov mod. it's all very good. That's, of course, a summation of the creation. But there is no specific statement that when man was created, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, in his Sefer, Emes Yaakov, pointed this out, and said, indeed, it could not say, Kitov, when man was created, since it says, the Torah could not say, because in essence, it is not good for man to be created alone. Now, very esoteric statement. Lotov, it's not good. Why is it not good? If you would ask the average person, why is it not good? Perhaps they would say because the world can't continue. In order for a person to have children, we must have male and female. How can you have a world continue when you only have males? Or one male? This does not seem to be the problem of Lotov Hayota Adam Levado. Because according to Midrash and more clearly explained in Kabbalistic works, Adam Arishan was created du Patsufi. Adam Arishan was created somehow as a bisexual person. The Ramban on Chumash quotes that he had two ki'ilu as if it were two bodies it seems that the person itself the one person this du partsufim this person could procreate by himself HaKadosh Baruch Hu obviously could create the world any way he wished. And he did create the world in a way that there weren't 
there, it was not necessary to have two separate individuals in order to have children. So, then why is it lo tov hayota adam levado? Rashi says a very strange interpretation. Lo tov hayota adam levado. Rashi says shelo A person might think as if there were two concepts of God, as it were. God is unique, one, in the heavenly spheres. He has no partner. God is alone. But on the earthly spheres, a man would be liable to say, I am alone in the world. I have no mate. I am all alone. And therefore, I am, in a sense, like God. Interestingly, Rashi interprets the reason it's not good for man is because of theological reasons. It's not because of biological reasons, not because of philosophical or sociological reasons, but nevertheless, it's not good for theological reasons. Rav Soloveitchik has related to this in a number of places, and the Rav has explained that it doesn't just mean that it's not good for a person to be alone because of loneliness. He says, it is not good that the man be levado. A man alone, in a utilitarian sense, cannot do as much as two. That also is not what the Torah is referring to. Man's being levado is an ontological postulate. I'm quoting from the Rav's article on aloneness and loneliness. Alone the human existence it not, it is not good. It lacks God's sanction and exposes an imperfect form of being. The helper whom God willed to make is a dispensable not only for pragmatic, but for an ontological reason as well. Man needs help ontologically. Another homo persona is necessary to complete man's existence, to endow it with existential meaning and directness. I'd like to focus on one more aspect of the Lotov Hayota Adam Levado. Before the Gemara in Yuvamos, Dav Samech says that a person by himself is lacking, a person who has no wife in general, is lacking, the Gemara says, lacking three things. Adam she'en lo isha, shawi b'lo sincha, b'lo bracha, b'lo tova. A person who lives alone without a wife lives in a state without happiness, without beracha, and without tova. He has no happiness, as the Torah tells us in Yom Tov, a person should be happy him and his household. It seems that if he has no household, he himself cannot be happy. In a certain sense, the mitzvah of Simcha means not just that you should be happy, but that you should make other people ha- happy. The Samachta 
could be read as v'simachta, make other people happy. And it's true that the Torah might look at real simcha as a relationship with other people where I make them happy and that can create real happiness in myself. The Gemara then adds below bracha, they quote a passage from Yechezkel, this special bracha is only in a family setting. But then the Gemara quotes our passage. Below tova, dichtiv, lo tov hayata adam levado. The Gemara does not exactly explain what it means below tova. But it means, it just says that a person who lives alone is lacking the concept of tov. I'd like to suggest another idea which is based on Kabbalistic sources, but I've heard it explained by Rav Salavechik in the name of the Balatanya. In the Pasuk, Vayivra Elokim et ha'adam b'tzalmo, b'tzalim Elokim bara'oto, zachar nekeva bara'otam. The Torah says, God created man in his, in his image. In the image of God, male and female. Now, when we talk about man being created in the image of God, are we referring to spiritual characteristics or physical characteristics? It seems to me that we must be talking about spiritual char- characteristics. It doesn't mean that man physically resembles God. God has no body. One of the principles of the Rambam is that Kodesh Baruch is incorporeal. So when we talk about human beings being in the image of God, we cannot mean that they are physically resemble God in any way. It must be a spiritual concept. However, at the end, the Torah says, Zachar Created male or female. Male or female seem to be the highest concept of physical characteristics that there, were, that there are. It would seem strange that the Torah is relating to a physical concept of, of Zachar Nekeva when we're referring to a spiritual concept of being created in the image of God. The explanation that was given is that male and female is not just a concept of biology. There is a prototype, a concept of male and female which does not relate to the physical components of male and female at all. For our purposes, for our explanation, a male could have in him the characteristics of nakvut, of femininism, and a woman could have concepts of of gavriyut, of masculinity. What are Zachar Nekeva in a spiritual sense? The male is considered the mashpia, the one who has influence, the one who goes out, the one who does. Whereas the woman is the mushpa'at. She's the receiver. She is the one who is influenced by others. As I said before, this is not related to biological man and woman, but rather to the concept of the personality of male and female. Man was created in the image of God. Man was created both to be a mashpia and a mushpa. Every single person has within him the concept of both being a force of influence on others as well as being influenced by others. The secret of this whole idea, of course, is that if man was created thusly in the image of God, then this is a characteristic of God himself. God is also a mashpia and a mushpa. Man being created alone might have part of his own existence, a female with whom he could procreate. But the concept of the relationship 
which creates a community, which creates the concept of being a mashpia and mushba, cannot exist. In this respect, lotov hayota adam levado, it's not good for man to be alone. So we have seen today that the halachot of family are certainly recognized. We have also seen that the Torah gave value to the concept of having a family. And the Torah said it's not good for human beings to live in isolation by themselves. Of course, the halachot involved the absolute obligations we have not begun to touch. That we will begin with in the next shiur.